0: You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Stay tuned to hear a powerful word from Pastor James. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church or to text to give, text diverse to 73256.
1: Father, we lift you up today. Lord, we honor you by clapping our hands. We worship you by saying hallelujah. We give you the glory today because you deserve it, God. Out of all the things that we desired and wanted in 2020, as one body of Christ, we want to be refined by your fire. We want to be purified when we meet you face to face that you'll be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So Lord, we thank you right now today. As we get ready to get into your word, I thank you, Lord, that your word will not return void. I thank you, Lord, for a congregation in person and online that have come with great expectation to be able to receive what thus saith the Lord. We decree your plans and your promises. We thank you, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. And let the redeem of the Lord say so. Hallelujah! Thank you. Amen, amen. Awesome job, praise team. Awesome job, dance team and everyone. And if you're in church, you are awesome too. All right, I am so excited. It has been, what, two, three weeks since I got a chance to actually do a a full sermon. So I am ready. I am full and ready to give. I hope you're ready to eat I think I got a three-course meal my wife may cook up dessert while I'm preaching but we're excited to be in the house of the Lord so at this time let's read the word if you could go ahead and locate Jonah chapter 1 verse 12 we're gonna read from the new international version Jonah chapter 1 verse number 12 and it is our custom here at diverse city to stand for the reading of the word. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 12. Amen. Got it? Just make sure it's said on the side, Aldine. Just a piece on the side. All right, church, one, two, three, ready, read. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Look to your neighbor and say, it's my fault. Look to your other neighbor and say, I did it. You may be seated all across this place today. So we've been talking uh, since the beginning of the July as we kicked off our forfeited July weekend about freedom. That God wants us to be free. You can be saved and still be bound, but God wants us all to be free. Um, I gave the first three sermons, and then Pastor Virginia came in for cleanup number four, and then we had Pastor Drew come in, preach week number five. And then last week, we took a strategic pause to be able to celebrate and ordain our deacons. And so we're going to continue in this vein of worship, but we're doing a spin-off because a part of freedom is taking responsibility for our choices, for our actions and for our decisions. So as we get started, again, shout out to our newcomer. Thank you. your're friends of David, right? Thank you, David, for inviting the newcomer. I hope you enjoy this experience and the moment you came in the door that you experienced God's presence and the people love here. Also, for those that are online as well, if you are new, please type new in the comments. So here we go. Jonah chapter 1. If you could pull that up. Jonah chapter 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of the Amitite. Go to a great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because the wickedness has come up before me. So what do we see first? It's important for us to kind of talk about Jonah. Who is Jonah? Jonah is the fifth minor prophet listed in the Bible Minor is not necessarily a representation of his character, but minor in terms of the context and how much was written about him. As we look in the 66 books, uh, the book of Jonah is only four chapters. He's number five, and there's 12 minor prophets, and then the Bible also talks about three major prophets. This book is authored by Jonah, so as we begin to look at just chapter one today, we get a first-person perspective of what it looks like of taking responsibility. Before we get to the book of Jonah, we're first introduced to him in 2 Kings chapter 14 when he goes to Israel and proclaim a word of the Lord, and the people of God repent, they make a change, and they begin to follow him. But then the issue comes up here in verse number one. God has spoken. And where God tells him to go, Nineveh. Anybody know about Nineveh? Been to Nineveh? Raise your hand. Just, all right, no one. All right, we're going to be a quiet church today. Nineveh, during this time, it is the most powerful, the most beautiful, and the most influential city during this time. However, the people are cruel, they nasty, they're sinful, and they dishonor our God. Matter of fact, historians will tell you that their military tactics reminiscent of the Nazis, of being this time how they oppressed the children of Israel. So this country, it was the most dreaded enemy of Nineveh. And so God tells Jonah, go and preach to him. As you, can expect, as you can expect, Jonah is afraid. Jonah comes from a small city and now being asked to go to like New York City and preach the gospel. Jonah is being gifted Jonah is appointed. Jonah is anointed. Jonah is full of potential. But Jonah is not free because he avoids the word of the Lord. See, when you want to be free, it starts with us taking a step of faith. It doesn't just happen, you just don't just walk into it, but it comes with intentionality. It comes when we're able to follow him. It comes when we're able to step out of our comfort zone. It comes when we just change our mind from just being a hearer of the word, but we decide to do something. Say, do something. So let's see what Jonah does. Verse number three, just like an anointed prophet, but Jonah ran away. I wonder how many people have heard from the Lord and ran away. Ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. And he found his ship bound down there and went to the port. And after paying a fare, he went abroad and sailed to Tarshish and flee from the Lord. Man, I can talk about this verse for the rest of the day. Jonah ran from the Lord. Go to the next one real quick. Oh, no, y'all stay. Jonah ran. Why would you run from God? Isn't God omnipresent? Isn't God all-knowing? But if we can be honest, we've ran from him. Am I the only person in here that's heard a word from the Lord, and decided of following him, I ran away? Nobody else. All of my perfect people. Okay, y'all come back next week. But it says he went to Tarshish. See, there is one thing when we sin and we, like, miss the mark, but then there's another thing where it's, like, willful obedience. If you say Jonah is right here, for him to go to Nineveh is to travel 500 miles to, like, Cleveland, Ohio. But when Jonah went to Tarshish, he went 2,500 miles as if he was going to San Diego. God told him to go, Cleveland, and he went to san diego california so he was purposeful in his intent he was really confronting the word of god he was very confident that he was not going to follow him again have you ever tried to run from god matter of fact david told us in psalms 139 verse 7 and 8 he says where can i go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence if I go to the heavens you are there if I make my bed in the depths you are there in other translations it said if I make my bed in hell I'll be right there but Jonah ran but here's the thing because we are free moral agents because we're not robots God will allow us to run but we can't hide Oh, it's quiet, it is okay, it is okay, because the word comes to confront, the word comes to give us truth, the word comes to give us direction, the word comes to give us correction, but if we refuse to follow the voice of God, if we refuse to neglect what God has told us to do. There are many people in here. As I talked about my dad, three years was told to come to St. Louis in 2014. It is one of the top three moments where I knew I heard the voice of God and I ran for security and God said, go to ministry. There are some assignments that you have been given and it looks like he's leading you to the valley of the shadow of death. And you're saying, I want to be free. I want to get be refined by fire. And God says, follow my word. And you said, well, I'm just going to keep going to San Diego until God gives me a new word. I'm, I'm not even going to bother to that. See, when you get to verse number three or verse number three, one of the things it talks about when he went to Tarshish that he had to pay a fare. See, running the wrong way, it's going to cost you something. (sighs) Running the wrong way will eventually cost you something. You're going to have to pay a fare. It's going to be more than taxes. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. It may be emotional. It may be financial. For Donna, it may be spiritual. It's going to cost you something. God doesn't have to do it. He'll just watch you like the prodigal son. All right, you're going out there, tearing it up, clubbing it up, spending your money, doing this, robbing your future by filling it up with things that you don't need, hanging with this person, doing that person, and eventually you will hit a wall and it will cost you something. You will get to the point where you will say, nothing I do, nothing I anywhere I go, nothing gives me the satisfaction that I'm really wanting to go. Yeah. So when we want to be free, it is coupled, it is the brother into the sister of being obedient to his
0: word. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Verse number four. Ooh, it's tight, it is quiet in this church. Then the Lord Uh Uh-oh. Then the Lord, uh uh-oh, sent a great wind on the sea. Mm. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break. So we see he ran. We see he paid a fare. And now the storm is here. See, God will send a sign. God will send a person. And if you don't get that one, if you don't get that one, Result number three, God will send a storm. You will come to the point where you keep running and you say, why this ain't working? I thought it would be different. I just paid a little bit more money because flying 2,000 and 5,000 miles versus only going 400 miles to be obedient cost me a little bit more. And we're trying to figure out, well, we got more month than money and you're paying to go the wrong way. But here's the thing here. It was one thing in verse number one through three where only Jonah was impacted, but now we're dealing with a storm. Jonah's not taking the effect, but even others that are on the boat. That's why you got to be careful. Who's on your boat? Who's sending you in a storm when you should be chilling? But we just cool, we've been hanging it out since high school, we just go to lunch, we just do these things, and you're in the middle of a storm. And it's because somebody is not following the Lord. It reminds me of Judges chapter 7. Remember the story of Achan, right? The children of Israel has finally come out of the wilderness. They're experiencing a form of freedom. In Joshua chapter six, we see the people of God is able to overthrow Jericho, the most powerful army. And then in Judges chapter seven, we get introduced to Achan, and they go to fight this little small town called Ai. It ain't many people, they're short. And they're looking at the children of Israel and say, hey, we just killed Jericho. Surely we'll take out Ai. But the Lord told them, when you kill your enemies, leave the spoils. Leave your bling bling. Leave the money. Leave the suitcase. Leave the Jordans. Leave the Chick-fil-A sauce. Don't touch anything. And the story of Achan comes in. He said, you know what, you know. I just got to go ahead and pick me up a little love offering. So he goes and grabs a few things and he goes and hides it under the table. And then in Joshua chapter 7, when the children of Israel go to fight Ai, they lose. Over 2,000 people die and they all tripping and say, What happened? What's going on? Why are we losing? I thought God ordained this during this time. And they begin to cast lots to figure out who's tripping. Was it you? Is it you? Is it you? Pastor Aldean? Papa Tony? Pastor Mike? What you cut jeans? Anyway, <laughs> is it you? And they begin <laughs> to cast lots. You know I love you, man. <clears throat> anyway, so they begin to cast lots, and they see that it's Aiken, and he goes, see, 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 what happened was... I was just making sure that my inheritance were taken care of, and the children of Israel said, get you, get all your kinfolks, and they stoned them right there because they were disobedient to the word of God. No, nobody's going to stone you, but there's punishment, and there's recourse, and there's challenges that we have to deal with when we're running the wrong way and we've jumped on the wrong boat. Verse number five for our quiet folks. Here we go. And the sailors were afraid. And each cried out to their own God, little G, their own God, their idols, their resources, everything they thought they could do and use and experience to be able to see what God would do. And then here's the part, and they threw their own cargo into the sea to lighten the ship But Jonah had gone below the deck where he had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Point number two. I think I skipped point number one. Point number two. We see Jonah's ignorance. You overlook stuff. When you're in bondage, you become nonchalant. Everybody can be going crazy. And Jonah is asleep. Like boogers coming out his nose, slobbing, all that good stuff. He is asleep. Everybody's crazy. Jonah is asleep. He's just resting, just chilling. What's going on here? Bondage is deadly. Bondage, your negligence, my negligence impacts everybody that's connected to me. Your pastor can think about multiple moments went to sleep and I should have been up where well, I went to sleep doing it in the name of trying to make more money doing it in the name of ministry and see that rebellion of one can affect many see see when god has called you in this season while we're all in the storm some of us need to wake up and to be the solution instead of sleeping Be the solution and stop sleeping. Say that with me. Be the solution. Stop sleeping. Here's the part right here. They became afraid and they started to throw cargo into the sea. They're going to a new place and they begin to throw away everything they had. They begin to throw away what's, what's cargo. When you think about cargo, when you think about luggage, you know, what sticks out to me valuables, who are you trying to keep in your boat and you've thrown off your values, who are you trying to keep on the boat, trying to date, trying to kick it with, and all of your values were up here and now they're gone. I thought you loved God. I thought you had 2020 focus. And then when the storm hit, the flesh took the lead, not the spirit. You've thrown off your values. God has called you in this environment to make a difference. And you've thrown off your kids, thrown off your wife, thrown off your family. You've lowered your standard to keep it in the boat, in the hidden closet. In the secret sins. And God is saying, in this season, you're going to be tested. Are they values or they're just preferences? The things that you believe, the things that you profess, the things that you love, are they values? Are you rooted? Are you anchored on your ship? Because if not, you may toss it. Whether you do it by yourself, I'm assuming they just start grabbing everything. I'll grab Johnny's stuff. I'll take random stuff. And we've lowered our values. And God is saying you need to throw them over, not your values. I thought you trusted me. I thought you knew that I could make a way where it needs to be no way. I thought you were going to walk by faith and not by sight. And when the middle of a storm, God has called you to be an answer and you've lowered your values. So whether you're the person at the top of the boat, throwing everything off, but there's a few people in here that are the Jonas that are asleep, deep sleep. Chaos is going on. Brothers, we need you to be a part of your families in your sleep. You're more excited about football in two weeks versus servant in church. You are asleep. You're so ready to get married, and you've lost your values. You are asleep. Your talent is not enough. You've created the mess, and you want somebody else to clean it up. You are asleep. You made the mess. I dirtied the dishes. Pastor L.D., can you clean them up? I'm the reason I spilled the surf ball on the floor. I spilled the A's. And I walk away and go to sleep. And I'm waiting for her to clean it up. Because you're a Proverbs 31 woman. Hallelujah. Sleep. Sleep. Talent is never enough. You need the anointing, you need God's presence. And this is how you find out if you're operating under anointing or if you're just depending on your talent. It's when you start gossiping about stuff, when you should be praying about it. Mm. When you're gossiping and God gave it to you to pray, to prevent it, to cultivate it. And you'd be like, oh, you see Deacon Sharon, she just got up on the stage, you know what she was doing? And God told you to pray about it. And God has trusted you with this word, giving you fresh knowledge, fresh revelation, and you're daydreaming. And God said to start working. Stop saying and start doing. God is challenging all of us to stop being poor. Not poor financially, but poor in spirit. He is speaking to you and you're passing over opportunities to be repeatedly. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. You want God to use you. He sends a storm and we see everybody else to respond in the natural and God gives you a still small voice and instruction and he's waiting on to you to respond and you keep passing over because you're saying I'm not good enough. I'm not capable enough. I don't have enough money and God is saying stop sleeping on the boat. Oh it's tight but it's right so we get to verse number six. Are we still okay? It's going to get worse before it get better. Just let you know. All right. Verse number six. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Get up and work your gifts. Get up and start patching the hole. Get up and start talking to the King of kings and the Lord's of glory. Get up and give them a praise. Get up and give them an honor. See, see, this is not, I'm not a sleeper. I know I can sleep more. This is not an accusation against sleeping because if you think about Jonah chapter 1 and then you go to Mark chapter 4, we see another scenario when somebody else is sleeping in the boat. Jesus. He said, come on, let's go. Let's hit to the other side. And the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 4, you can bring that on the screen, Mark chapter 4, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat the boat so that it was already filling. Uh Uh-oh but he was asleep laying on a pillow I wasn't even sure they had pillows during this time but it's cool in the game and they went to awake him and said teacher do you not even care that we are perishing so what do we see when Jonah's in the boat and we see Jesus in the boat similarities they are both asleep facts right we good Also, they're both dealing with a storm, right? But here's the difference. When Jonah's asleep, he's bringing problems. When Jesus is asleep, he's bringing peace. When Jonah is asleep, he's creating more questions. When Jesus is asleep, he's saying, I am the answer. When Jonah is asleep, he is in bondage. When Jesus is asleep, he is free. When Jonah was going the wrong way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sleep. Jonah, sleep in sin. Jesus, sleep as sovereign. Sleep. There's a difference. Two different people Same situation, one following the word, one following their worries, one following fear, another one following freedom. And so the story goes on, and number seven, they do the same thing. Let's cast lots, who did it, who done it, whose fault is it, and of course, it falls on Jonah. So point number three, we see Jonah having to give his credentials so they begin to ask him Jonah give us your resume Jonah tell us about your biography Jonah the bible tells us in verse number 8 so they ask him tell us who is responsible for making all of this for trouble question number 1 what kind of work do you do sounds like man talk what you do what's your 9 to 5 what's your purpose what's your assignment Why did God create you during this time? If you're one of the kind because God broke the mold of you, what do you do? What is your contribution here? I don't care if you're a thumb. I don't care if you're the heart. I don't care if you're the leg. What do you do? If you don't do anything for the rest of the year, you need to know what you do. Something that you do so good that God has to humble you because you do it so well. I don't care if you're a plumber, I don't care if you're a pastor, I don't care if you cut hair, I don't care if you do tattoos, I don't care if you do hair. Whatever it is, what do you do? And even more, where do you come from? Who are your people? That's what my mom would say. Who are your people? You want to stay over? Who are that people over there? Who are your people? What is your country? Who's on the inside of your heart? Who's leading you? And from what people are you? And so as Jonah, we see he gives his credentials. He starts natural, and then he goes spiritual. In verse number 9, he said, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. Matter of fact, he's the God of heaven." And he made the sea in the dry ground. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea in the dry ground. Good job, Jonah. Good job, Jonah. There is nothing more hollow, more arrogant, more shallow than to tell somebody about the goodness of God when you're rejecting it. Woo, woo! I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. But your FaceTime wall, woo! Hallelujah. More shallow than to throw God's name out there to show that you're repping with Him and to reject it in your own life. That has been the biggest barrier in the church in the 2000s. So many people... Throw a scripture out there, tell people what you need to do. You need to do this. You want to be free. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this, and he say, "But what you doing? I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord of God in heaven." So then, in verse number ten, it goes on and they say, "All right, if that is the case, you need to begin to." Make an answer. You need to begin to bring forth a solution because our God is not the God of the water. Our God is not the one that's able to answer it. And then when you get to verse number 11, let's just go ahead and move. Verse number 11, it says, The sea was getting rougher and rougher. Again, he he gives his identity, he gives his profession. And here we see the sea getting rougher and rougher and they asked him what should we do now he has influence now he's been identified as the leader to calm this storm rougher and rougher question how long does it have to get in bondage before we decide to make a change how much worse does your marriage have to get How bad does your health have to get? How bad does your finances have to get before you say, hey, it's not working? The promises are not lining up in my life. I know I'm a Christian, I know I'm a believer, but this ain't working. You want a better marriage, even if it's good. When we read Ephesians chapter 5, God wants our marriages to be great. But you can't come for counseling and not show up on Wednesday where we're talking together as one. And you're single, and you're tired of experiencing the same thing, and you're neglecting our singles ministry. And our kids, our kids are acting up, but we only have the same five kids online every Tuesday. How much longer? does it have to get rougher and rougher? I'm a senior. I have nobody to fellowship with. My kids don't want to talk to me. My grandkids don't want to talk to me unless they want money in their meeting every week. And God is saying in the storm, are you going to continue to allow it to get rougher and rougher? Oh, you got issues with uh, diversity and inclusion and what this person is saying and what that person is saying. And now once a month, DCC Impact in a safe place to be able to educate, to be empowered, to get a different perspective. And God is saying, I'm creating vehicles. I'm creating opportunities for you to be proactive and not reactive. And so you can stop sleeping. Okay, it's going to get better. But then we see here, stay right there, Jonah comes to a point, he finally gets up, he sees everybody going crazy, going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, throwing stuff off, going crazy, they're cutting their arms, they're doing all that stuff, and Jonah says, stop, 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 stop right there, stop right there, stop, 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 put that down, put that down, put that down, verse number 12, verse number 12. What should we do? Pick me up and throw me into the sea. <clears throat> Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Oh, you're going to get it soon. He replied, and it will become calm. And I know, uh-oh, here it is. It's my fault. I'm not free because what my spouse didn't do for me. I'm not free Because of my job and how things didn't work. Matter of fact, if I can be honest in this moment, I'm not free. And it is my fault. So here's the first issue when we look at this. Is that God does not want Jonah in the water. God wants Jonah on his knees. It is my fault you expose my sin? You got me. It is my fault. Go back one, Aldi. It is my fault. He knew exactly what should happen. But he doesn't get on his knees. He's saying, come on. Come on, Elmer. Come on, Papa John. Help me up. Don't come up here for real. There's no illustration. (laughs) Throw me into the water. Because I'm not going to repent. Just throw me over. I'd rather stay in bondage because it's easier. It's comfortable. And if I die, it's your fault. God does not want you in the water. He wants you on your knees. Go to the next one. Praise team, go ahead and come up real quick. So here it is. When you see this, we got to back this thing up a little bit. Hold up. Verse number 12. Back it up, back it up, back it up. It says... Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Now, we know Jonah is a prophet. We know Jonah is the problem. But the text does not say that Jonah was paralyzed. Think about that. It'll hit you Tuesday. Why didn't Jonah jump off himself? Jonah, step up to the plate. It's your fault, Yes, you admitted that it was your responsibility, but when we're in bondage, we depend on other people to do for us what we should do for ourselves. Hallelujah. Pick me up and throw me into the water. You made the mess. Do your part. God will help you to clean it up. But you're not paralyzed. God's promises and plans for your life are irrevocable. You don't need anybody to pick you up. You don't need somebody else's money. You don't need to depend on their influence, but be obedient and follow the voice of the Lord. Verse number 13, go on. Ooh, all right, we're still good. Y'all good? Can I have 10 minutes? Okay, here we go. John... When we go to verse number 13, it says, instead the men, he said, throw me in the water, it'll be okay. But the men said, you know what, let's do our best one more time. Let's do our best to go to the land because we really don't want him to die. He was kind of cool. He was rolling with us. He brought a few cargo. He paid a big fare. We don't want him to die, so they try their best. One more time. Let's go. Let's get there and look at what God does. He opposes them again for the sea grew even wilder and wilder. God is stronger than our flesh when we surrender to him. God is saying we can't be stubborn in this season. We can't be hard-headed in this season. We can't fight God's plan. Even if we try to work harder, it'll get wilder and wilder. It'll get rougher and rougher so what do we see as we go through verse 14 through 16 god begins to work let's move through this real quick in the back it says then they cried out to the lord so now we shifted from little god now we're saying lord we don't want you to just be our god somebody that we call upon on sunday morning but lord we need you every day Lord, we need you and we surrender our life to you. Lord, we didn't even know about you, but this crazy storm is now on the way to leading to change in their life. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not uphold us accountable for killing the innocent man Killing, oh, moving to the next one. Verse number fifteen. Then Jonah, they took him and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea calms down. And then in verse number sixteen, it says, "At oh, at this men at this the men greatly feared the Lord." This is now a reverence. This is a reverential fear of God's power, of God's sovereignty, and for God's plan in their life. And they made an offer, they made a sacrifice to the Lord right then because He delivered them, because He kept them. See, God is willing to make changes in your friends and in your family life when we surrender to Him breakthrough happens. Turnaround is on the way when we go towards God's will. See, your sacrifice. Yeah, come on. Jonah's sacrifice has now converted unbelievers to believe. See, what looks like a path of destruction to our eyes is a path of destiny to God. God sent an uber fish and said, I'm coming. As soon as you come, I'm going to get you. Jonah, point number four, we see Jonah's miracle he should have died there are people in here that at least has one not two, not three opportunities that they will say that they should be dead but God did a miracle in your life yeah, Yeah. come on stand to your feet real quick Let me read this last verse. Now the Lord provided, he prepared, he was ready at the call of duty to provide a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And we're going to talk about that next week about living in the dark. Here's my question. How do you stop a storm in your life? When the storm pops off, what's your go-to? Is God the first response or is he the last resort? When you're in a storm, the only thing you can do to get delivered is to have a surrendered heart. We try to make repentance look so hard, but it's a heart posture. I don't care what you've been told. You are never too far to turn around. The destination is not changed. No matter if God told you to go here and you're all the way over there, as soon as you turn around, just like a navigator, recalibrating. God is about to recalibrate you on your way to destiny I need about 10 people in here if God had to recalibrate you in a moment of your life say I'm coming coming. say it like you mean it say "I'm I'm coming I'm coming for my kids I'm coming for my house I'm coming for my purpose. I'm coming for my calling. I'm coming for my destiny. I didn't plan it like this, but I'm coming. I may be late. I may be on colored people time, but I am coming. Hallelujah. Give him praise in this place. He's going to provide for you. I'm coming. I'm not giving up, but I'm coming. If you're coming after God, To obtain your freedom, I'm going to ask for you in this moment to lift up your hands. Begin to talk to him about how you've handled your storm. And God is going to provide strength in your life. But it starts with a prayer of saying, it is my fault. Come on, let's worship. Let's take a moment to worship. You are my strength
0: you are my strength come on strength like no other. you can put the words on
1: the screen if we got them
0: strength like no other reaches it reaches reaches to me mm. you are my strength No.